Good morning, little church. Love seeing all you guys here, um, gals, everybody. Um, it's exciting to have all of you again um, as we come and worship the Lord together, as we hear his word together. And, you know, I was thinking that with all the theme parks that are now fully open, so we have all these theme parks, Disneyland, I think, yes, fully open now, okay? They're all fully open. That with that, there's going to be a rise in something an increase in something. And I know I'm not talking about COVID. What I'm talking about is children getting lost. Little toddlers, okay? I don't know if you've ever experienced or seen it or happened to you where you've got all these crowds and all these people around and parents have got their little kids with them and then all of a sudden the parent looks and their kid's gone. All right. Or a kid is starts wandering off somewhere and is like realizes all of a sudden, oh my gosh, where's my mom? Where's my dad? Have you ever seen that? I mean, just panic, panic on both sides, panic on the parents' side, panic on the kids' side. They don't know what to do. Everyone starts is frantic, and I'm sure I'm thinks this has happened to some of you. Some of you as parents maybe have lost your child for just that couple seconds or a minute, and you're just panicking. Or you were a child that at some point got lost from your parents. That true for anybody? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Notice how I didn't say you have to choose which one, all right? <laughs> Raise your hands. But you can just think how terrifying that is um, in those moments and you watch someone and they're trying to find among, particularly a crowd like you would have in Disneyland, trying to find someone like that. But you know, one thing that's interesting to think about is that when a child is lost like that, when they wander off, and the parents can't see them, the child doesn't know where their parents are, they have not lost, the child has not lost having those parents. They still have those parents. Same thing with the parent. When they've lost their child for whatever period of time when they're trying to find them, that child is still the parent's child. They have not, they have not broken that relationship. That relationship between parent and child is still there even though the child is lost. And I think that's very similar to our relationship with Christ and with our Father God, is that once we have placed our faith in Christ, once we have committed our lives to that, we can sometimes get lost. We can sometimes wander away from God. But even though we do that, that doesn't stop the fact that he is our God. It doesn't stop the fact that he is still our Father. And that's what I want to look at today, because I'm sure all of us have in one way or the other, we've all wandered away from God, some farther uh, for a longer period of time than another. Some of you even maybe right now might be feeling like, I lost my faith, or I don't know where God is. It's not like it used to be. I don't, how do I get back to him? And that's what I want to focus on today, is I want to look at how do we, if we feel lost like that, how do we restore? The relationship is still there with God. The relationship is still there with Christ, but how do I restore that relationship? And even more important, if you've got that relationship right now and you feel it's going well, how do you ensure you don't get lost? How do you, feel, how do you ensure that you stay close to God? You stay close to God or our Father and you don't get lost. So we're gonna look at that today. 
And as we do, we're going to look at one particular passage. We're going to be looking at a lot of different other passages. But I'm going to do something different. So some of you might have gotten this notice, okay, if you have the app. I sent out a notice, B-Y-O-B. That's bring your own Bible, okay? So how many of you brought your Bible? Who saw that? Awesome. Wow. Okay. Now we know how many people do want to have the app. All right. So what we're going to do something different today is because in Hebrews 2.1, it says, pay much closer attention to what God has told us, what we have heard in this word. And so we're going to do things a little different to, to do that. Go back to the old-fashioned, pull the buy your Bibles out. Open up your Bibles. If you do not have a Bible with you, guess what? There's a pew Bible right in front of you. It looks like this. And if you grab one of those pew Bibles, you'll be lucky because I will tell you which page number, <laughs> okay, in which to turn to with those passages as we go through and walk. So you're not going to see anything up on the screen. We want to just focus on looking at our Bibles. And of course, then, if you don't even have a pew Bible, if you need to go to your electronic device and you go to your app, in fact, if you go to your app, you'll see that you can look at the Bible, even on your app, and pull that up too. So I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to be focusing most of our time on looking at verses 2 through 3, page 566, page 566. And let me open in prayer as we get started. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this glorious day where we have another, just another chance to worship you, to love you, to be reminded that you are our Father. And Lord, today I just, um, on my heart is just a couple people just thinking of them right now. And there's so many I know who are um, going through health crises and so many struggles and stuff. But I particularly right now just want to lift up Gil, um, who is struggling with some health issues right now. I pray for his healing. I'm thinking of Marilyn right now, Lord, and her brother, Jim. And I think his wife's name is Judy, Lord, as they're going through theirs. Um, you are a God that brings comfort. You are a God that brings healing. And I just pray for them pray for all of us who are struggling in one way or the other, Father. Be with us. Be our Lord. Heal us, mind, body, and soul today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Isaiah, and the reason why I'm going to this is um, in the men's group, uh, we have been going, we just started just started, I don't know, 12, 15 weeks ago now, just started Isaiah 1. We're in chapter 6 now, so we're moving along. But when we opened up, I had never studied Isaiah before. When we opened up Isaiah chapter 1, and we read these couple verses I'm going to read to you right now, it, it blew me away, to be honest. It just sort of like, wow, this really talks about who our God is, who we are in relationship to, to him, and also all the things I just talked about. How do we stay close to God? What causes us to wander away? So if you look at Isaiah chapter 1, and what you have is that this is a vision to Isaiah where he sees God. And you'll notice in verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. And now we have the very first words that God said to Isaiah. He says, Children, I have reared and brought you up but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people 
do not understand. Look at that first word, children. <laughs> God addresses us as his children. Right there, we have set up, right here in the opening words of God, when he comes up to you and wants to address you, he calls you his children, which makes him what? Our father, which is why you see Jesus opening up the Lord's prayer with our father. We are his children. This right there speaks to the most important thing we can remember about staying close to God is he wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to know him intimately. He wants us to go back and forth with him, wrestle with him. He is a God who loves us so much. He wants us to be in this relationship. We're going to be, and we're going to be talking about how do you do that. Now, if you think about that kid, let's say like a toddler who gets lost, and you saw him lost. You're at Disneyland, let's say, and you see him, this child, and you, you see that he's walking around aimlessly, and you're wondering, you know, I don't see any parents around. What would you do when you first walked up to that child? What would you ask them? Are you lost? Are you lost? Very good. <laughs> exactly. And what else would you ask them? If they said, yes, I'm lost, what would you ask? What, what other things would you ask? What? Yeah. Okay. So you'd like want to find out, are they lost? Do they know where their parents are? Or is it one of the first things you want to ask? And right here, you see in the opening pages of this, you see that what we are being told is that we ourselves are children who can get lost, we'll find out, but we're children who have a father. Okay? And so in these opening words, we see that relationship that we have. Now, you can, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but here God is calling his people children. Who is he calling children? It's the Israelites. It's the people that he rescued out of Egypt. All right? He's the one who rescued them out of Egypt. He's the one that rescued them from oppression and slavery. He's brought them out. And in fact, it says in, in, um, in I think it's chapter 4 of Exodus, is when he first addresses them as children. So God is obviously the one who created us. He's the one who made us. But he then becomes the father of these children he has rescued out. Okay, in Exodus. What about us? All right, we're not the Israelites. We're not the ancient Israelites. What about us? How did God become our father? So I want you to take a look, and we're going to look at Galatians, page 974, if you have the Pew Bible. So Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. For us, when did God become our father? Why? Can we call him our father? So in chapter 4 of Galatians, and starting at verse 4, listen to what it says. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Who is that son? Jesus, exactly. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, rescue those, those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. That word sons there is exactly the same word you see in Isaiah with children. It can be translated sons. It can be translated children. And so here is adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son unto our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
And if a son, then an heir through God. So how did we become children of God? Through our faith in Christ. He was the son that died so we could become the sons of God, so we could become children of God, so we can call God our father and have that relationship with him. So the very first point for thinking about how do we stay close to God is we have to realize this relationship. God is not some distant God up there looking angrily at us, ready to punish us. God is our Father. That is a relationship core that we have with him. If anybody ever comes up to you and says, you know, what's your faith? What do you believe in? Who are you as far as your faith goes? I mean, we use words, obviously, Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Here is the core of what we are. We are children of God. We have God as our Father. That is the core relationship of who we are. So the next thing I want to think about is as we take a look at this verse, so going back to Isaiah, you might as well keep your finger there if you're using your Bibles in Isaiah, is I want you to see what happens next. All right, so if you think of a child that's lost a toddler, and you're asking that child, are you lost? And they said, yes. And you're saying, well, let's try to go find your parents. You're going to start walking around with that toddler, and you're, he's going to be looking around, trying to find his parents. How does he know who his parents are? <laughs> that might sound like a stupid question, but how does a child know who his parents are? How do they know? Yeah, they, I mean, they've been raised with them. They, they've been with them since they birthed. These are the parents who have loved them and taken care of them. That's how they recognize them. They know their parents like the back of their hand, the most important relationship they have. So as they're walking around, they will know when they see their parents because these are the parents who raised them and loved them. And if you take a look at our verse here in Isaiah, that's exactly the same thing with God our Father. Look what it says. It says, children, in Isaiah um, verse 2, what does God remind the, his children of? I'm the one that has reared you. I am the one that has brought you up. I am the one who has rescued you, taken care of you, done everything for you. God wants us to know how much he really cares for us, how much he really loves us. So you can see there that he's, he's the one who's raised them. He's the one that's taking care of everything that they've done. Same thing we can think of as a child with his parents. Those parents, why are they frantic going around going, where's my child? And going to do everything they can to make sure they, they're going to get everybody in Disneyland to start looking for their kid. <laughs> All right? Why? Because of how much they love them. Now, you know what? We know that. We, I think all of us here know God loves us. But you know, it can be really hard to try to really grasp that. How do we grasp the degree in which God loves us? How does a kid grasp how much his parent loves them? And I want you to turn, page 74, I want you to turn to Exodus 34. I'm going to get your fingers exercised today. Um, Exodus 34. Again, page 74. And I want you to listen, um, because here we get a glimpse of how much does God love us. So I'm going to look at verses 6 through 7. 
So here, um, God is talking, to, Lord is talking to Moses, and it says the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed. Now listen to what the Lord proclaimed, God proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, and that word thousands there is a, is a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and on the children and the children's children to the third or fourth generation. How much does God love us? So if you take a look at this verse, he, we're talking about that those who've turned away from him, the, there is judgment that God brings, okay? But that judgment is because he loves his people so much. But that judgment is real. And you can see right here that he, it says that the, he's going to bring iniquity, sins, meaning of the fathers, on their children for up to three, third or four generations. Now, this is back in the Old Testament. So I thought, okay, four generations. Let's think of four feet. There you go. Okay? This is going to represent our iniquity. The iniquity of God, our sins. We can even think of it that way. There's a string that is four feet. Okay, that is the judgment that comes upon us. But how much does God love us? Does it say here? Up to a thousand generations. Not four feet, but a thousand generations. What does that look like? I thought I would show you. <laughs> okay? Because... And I thought I would do this um, real time, but I figured it would take too long. I got a thousand feet, and I measured out a thousand feet of string. This is a thousand feet. This is how much God loves us. It took me five minutes <laughs> to unroll a thousand feet of string. All right? This is what we have compared to this. How much does God love us? So much, in fact, that if I take all the string, what does God do? He can cover our sin so we never see it again. There's an example of just the degree in which God loves us. And we can yet sometimes feel so, oh my gosh, does God love me? Oh, I messed up or whatever. Look at him, all right? His grace is so much more than we can even imagine. But he wants us to remember that. And you know what? In Christ, because of Christ dying on the cross, that goes from a thousand that you can measure to something that we can't even measure anymore. I want you to take a look at this. It's a good verse to remember and one that many of you are familiar with. Page 944. So this is, for, um, everyone's like, but their own Bibles, 944, where's that? Uh, Romans 8. So Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I'm going to read this whole thing. Listen to the love of our Father for us. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or so sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, big no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, I'm out of breath without list, <laughs> will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is how much God loves us. Never forget that. And you know how we never forget it? We never forget it by reading that. There is a passage we should probably read every day, multiple times a day, to remind ourselves the great love that God has. So if you want to stay close to God or if you've wandered away from him, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far or how long you've wandered away. Look at this passage. He loves you. He has got open arms wanting you to come back to him. And again, like that parent with the kid, what's going to happen when that child comes back to the parent? They're going to like go, I'm not going to let you go again. And that child is going to get as close as they can to that parent, okay, and stay close so they don't get lost again. This is the love that God has for us. So again, we stay close to God by recognizing that we have that relationship of father and son, father and child. We stay close to God when we keep reminding ourselves how much does he love us. If you're far away, turn back. This is the time to do that because he loves you so, so much. Now, the third thing I want to talk about in regarding to this relationship between our father and us, and this is the tougher one, which is why did the child get lost in the first place? <laughs> If you see a lost child in Disneyland, all right, I'm going to give the parents the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> okay? If you see a lost child, you know, big crowd and everything, what is the reason that child is lost? It could be completely unintentional. He just let go of the parents' hands for a second, or something captures his attention, all of a sudden, parents are gone. It could also be a type of child who says, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. <laughs> All right? I'm sure none of you have been those child children or have that child. Okay, I see Nan back there. She's raising her hand. Um, but that's what happens, right? How does a child get lost? A lot of times it's because a child gets, wanders off. He sees something that captures the attention. <gasps> There's Mickey Mouse! <laughs> right? And he goes running after Mickey Mouse, or he sees a bunch of candy in the candy store. And when you're in Disneyland, there is all these distractions that can cause a kid to want to wander away. It's easy to get those distractions. And we as adults, yes, we are still children of God. And we too, get, yes, we still wander away. If you take a look at our Isaiah passage again, notice what, what God says. This is the whole problem that's happened 
in our relationship with God, going all the way back to the Old Testament, going all the way back to the time of Isaiah. Because what it says is, it start out with children, I have reared you and brought you up, but they have rebelled against me. There it is, the story, okay, what we have within Scripture. We have rebelled against him, but they have rebelled against me. And here's some irony. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. I love God's irony. Love it. Because here's God being very ironic here and saying, you know what? You children have, and this is, again, these are the children who are already the children of God. They already had that relationship. But they have just completely rebelled, wandered away so much that they don't even know God anymore because they don't see God. They don't relate to him anymore. And it's like a child. You know, he goes away, and it's like it's more important looking at what Mickey or Mitty's doing or looking at what's going on at Disneyland than is realizing that relationship that he has with God. And what does God say here? An ox. He uses animals to say animals have more sense than you guys. <laughs> All right? Animals know who their master is. Animals knew who their father or mother is. But you have wandered away so much, you don't even know me. How does that happen? Well, we all know that's our sin nature. I mean, if there's anything that proves that we have sin, that there's original sin that we're born without, we all know. Just watch kids, okay? Um, how easy they start growing up and rebelling. Look at us as adults. How easy it is to say, yeah, I know my parents love me so much. And then we rebel and turn away and go away from them. What is it that causes that? What is it about our nature that causes that? Well, one thing we see, and it's actually sort of referred to here that we see a bit later in Isaiah, is the core reason why the Israelites turned away from God was because of what was called idolatry. Now, we don't use that word a whole lot today, but idolatry back then had a very specific look and feel. The Israelites, I mean, they started this like right. <laughs> they didn't take long after being rescued by God, who had raised them, rescued them out of all the slavery from Egypt. And what does Moses do? He goes up in the mountain. He comes back down. They're all making idols. All right? This was something that was all throughout that world that time. They would make these little images, cows and oxes like we see here, and they would worship those, saying they're infused somehow with all these different gods, and they would worship those gods instead of the one and true God. Now, that's what happened in the Old Testament time. What's interesting is, in the New Testament time, you don't see people really actually making those images that much anymore. In Mark 7, I'm not going to turn there, what the problem is in the New Testament time is they started to worship not idols, they started to worship the traditions of men. So the Pharisees and all these other regulations and rules about hand-washing and all these different things, the people started to actually worship those things and following those rules more than they did their relationship with God. They worshiped what man was saying more than what God was saying. And you know what? Things haven't changed a whole lot. Okay, we don't think of, oh, what are our idols today? Do we worship idols? Well, there's obvious ones, okay? The usual suspects of idols. You know, my car. I worship my car, my house. I worship money. But actually in today's society, it is much easier for us to 
idolize things and not even know that we're doing that. I mean, it can be a news program we watch. It can be a political party. It can be a person that we follow all the time and we worship those, them, and revere them more than God. Really, making idols is any time we turn our attention that's supposed to be to God and we're focusing on something or someone else. How easy is it for us with all of our distractions today to have other things that govern us, control us, influence us when it really should be God alone? So we today, making idols and, um, and idolization is something that's very subtle, very dangerous, because it is what causes us to just start wandering very slowly away from God where we don't even know that we've done that because of all these things we're putting our focus of our attention on. Now, there was a passage that Jeff, in the last two weeks, um, actually, he, I think you heard it first in our Isaiah class. We were going through in Isaiah talking about how they made idols and, and about um, worshiping idols. And it was Psalm 115. I just want you to read this again because what we find out is that when we start putting our attention and letting other things govern us and influence other than God, something else happens that's very insidious. And it's very slow that it happens. So if you turn to Psalm 115, that's page 510. So listen what happens again. And Jeff, again, quoted these two times in the last, um, in the last two weeks. In verse 4 of Psalm 115, it says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. And then this is the key verse. What happens when we create idols and we worship those idols? Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. What happens when we start worshiping and we start putting our trust in this world, when we start putting our trust in other people, in anything else other than God, we start looking like them. <laughs> we start becoming like whatever it is we idolize. Why is that? It's very simple because we have to remember that God our Father is also God our Creator. And God created us in his image. You know why he created us in his image? And actually that language is because we now are image makers. The, the vision of this church is become like Christ for the sake of others. Become like Christ. We become what we worship. We become what we revere. We are actually like people who reflect what it is we look at. So, for example, if I have a mirror, <laughs> all right, what do we use mirrors for? Right? Isn't that what we use mirrors for? To look at ourselves. <laughs> okay? That's what we use mirrors for. What's interesting, that's what we do a lot of times. We're just sort of looking at ourselves, okay, without realizing it. But what we are as our part of our nation, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, is God created us to not look at ourselves like this. God created us to actually be the mirror. 
we are actually, we are mirrors that reflect what we look at. So if I'm really, as my nature is supposed to be, I'm a mirror reflecting what I look at, what happens when I'm like this all day, looking at myself? Have you guys ever seen how a mirror does that? I'm not going to try to do it. You ever seen where you have two mirrors and you, they reflect each other? You see how it just goes on and on and on and forever, right? Well, that's sort of what happens when we spend a lot of time looking at ourselves and focusing on ourselves. All we reflect is ourselves to other people. All right? That's what we look like. And that is what happens when we start focusing on things in the world and worshiping things other than God himself. So God says, no, you're supposed to reflect him. You're supposed to mirror him, which means what? To do that, we don't look at ourselves. <laughs> we'll look at God. All right. And there's a passage, and I think Jeff maybe even talked about this passage. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 8, and that is on page 965. And I'm going to just read the last, the last verse of it here because it just really captures what I just showed you. It says, and we all, in verse 18, this is um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and we all, with unveiled faces, and then it uses the word beholding the glory of God. That word beholding actually means looking as in a mirror. <laughs> That's what the word actually means. So we all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. And when we do, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's the answer right there. How do I stop from wandering? Is I turn my eyes, and I look what it said there. It says, and you turn, actually, it says in verse uh, 16, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. When one turns to the Lord, now I'm going to start reflecting my Father instead of reflecting me. That is how we prevent ourselves from getting lost like the child at Disneyland. Is if the child is totally attentive on their parent, holding their hand, looking at them every moment, listening to their voice, they're not going to get lost. And that's the same thing for us. When we are attentive, focusing on the Lord, not only will we stay close to God, our Father, but we will reflect him to the rest of the world, which is really what the purpose is that God's given us, is to do that. All right, so the last thing I want to take a look at is just then practically how do we do that? Okay, I can say, turn to the Lord. Okay, how do you do that? Well, part of how you do that is exactly what we've been doing today. I want you to think about what, what is a, what's a child going to do when he's lost? What's a parent going to do when he's looking for his child? They're going to scream out their top of their lungs until someone hears them. So they both recognize their voices that they can come together again. God knows what's going on inside of us. God knows us personally. But we can very easily walk away and idolize other things and no longer be in that relationship with God. How do we, like a child, okay, find our God? We, we start listening, not to the world. We start listening to the voice of God. And God has given us one way. One way in which to do that, 
That way is why we have this Word of God. That's why all of you are in the Word of God right now. If you notice everything we've been talking about, all these points about how you stay close to God, He's our Father, how much He loves us, how we end up wandering away. Where do we find all that? We find all that right here. This is the way God has given us to not just know about Him, but to really know Him personally. If you take a look back at our Isaiah passage, is in Isaiah, you'll see that, what does it say? It says, the problem in verse 3 is, Israel does not know, my people do not understand. There is the answer about how we stay close to God. is not by not knowing, but by knowing. And that word know in scripture there, that know is not head knowledge. That word is actually yada, which is a Hebrew word, which means a very intimate relationship with. That's what God wants. He wants that intimate relationship with us. And the way he, we do that, he knows us, but the way we know him, everything we can know about God is in here, and it will never be exhausted. This is why, you know, we use as a cliche, stay in the word, stay in the word. Okay, that is the reality. If a parent, if a child wants to stay with his parent and learn about his parent and become like his ultimate grow up, Everything that parent says, that child is listening to. All right, same thing for us. This is the way we have a personal relationship with God. We have the spirit and the presence of God in us, but this is the way we turn our eyes and keep ourselves focused on him, learn about him, and learn who he is. In the Lord's, um, in, in our, sorry, in, um, in our Isaiah study last Tuesday night, we went through how do we do that, okay? How do we focus on this? And really the key here is notice it says the way you know, don't just know, but understand. In the good soil parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 13, he talks about all these different soils. Many of you are familiar with this. There's four different soils. All four of those soils hear God's word. They all hear it. But there's only one soil that produces fruit. Only one. Do you know why that one soil produces fruit with God's word that it fell, fell on? All of them heard. Only one produces fruit. Only one word is used about how they produce that fruit with God's word. One word is understand. When we don't just hear God's word in one ear and out the other, but we wrestle with it, and we seek to really understand it, this is what it looks like. What do we do? God says, and we abide in him, and he in us, and we do that abiding through understanding God's word, what, do, what happens? We don't bear the fruit. We produce all this fruit. God does that in our lives. This is what it looks like. And Jesus says 160, 30 times what was sown. This is one seed. Look at what it's producing here. That's what happens in our lives when we focus on God's word. And I'm going to now end with the way in which you do that. All right? How do you do that? I'm going to give you one simple thing. It reminds me of when Jeff had the, um, the message about the, um, about the prayer, like the prayer journal and stuff. How do you do this? How do you get back to the basics? What you do is you grab your Bible. And here is going to be my recommendation, is if you can get, there's something called ESV Journal Bible. 
Because what it does is it allows you to see and write in the Bible as much as you want to. And you, there's one of these that you can get for every book of the Bible. And so, for example, um, Michelle, Doherty, and I were talking about this. And she was saying, I want to get closer to God. All right. And so I went and got her one of these journals for the book of Psalms, which is a great one to get. When you say, how do I then understand God? I'm going to show you now. <laughs> This is what she did. I was like, whoa, all right? This is an example of what understanding God looks like. This is what her first page of Psalm 1 looks like. You see that? So this is the whole thing of on, on the book of Psalms. You get it for every book of the Bible. They're very cheap. This is Psalm 1. Look at what she did. She's reading the word. She's meditating the word. She's wrestling with God, and she's writing it all down in all these different colors. This is understanding. This is how do you grasp and really say, I get what God's saying, not just that I hear it, but I grasp that. That's what I invite all of you to do is find a book of the Bible. Maybe get one of these. Again, they're really cheap. You can get them on Amazon, ESV Journal Bible. It lets you write every, you got one page of the Bible, you got one page with all the writing, everything you do, and you can just go through and mark that up and really wrestle with God. You will then see and experience that personal relationship with God. You will see how much he is God, our Father. That's my invitation to you today, is if you've wandered away, get close to him. If you're close to him, stay close to him. Stay in his word. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your spirit that now lives within us. We thank you that you have made us your children, that you are our Father. And Lord, I just pray for anyone today, anyone who does not know you, who's never come into that relationship of love with you through Christ that today is a day of their salvation. Second Corinthians says, today is a day of salvation by simply saying, Lord, you are my Savior. Lord, you are my Lord. I ask you for the forgiveness of sins. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord, Savior, for God to be my Father. And I just pray for anybody who's wandered away today, Lord. Pray that they will return. They will find their Father again never to lose him again, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to ask you all to stand. And what I want to do um, is, again, we're going to have people up here to pray. So if you need any kind of prayer, Marcia and others are going to be up here to pray. And I'm going to just leave you with the opening words of Psalm 1 which says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Amen.